Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Carson Gibbons here for the Weekly Catch-Up Podcast. As always, I'm sitting here with my great friend, Mr. Bradley Colvin. Hey, everyone. Mr. Bradley, episode five. We've made it. <laughs> I guess it's like a real thing now. Uh, yeah, it's like our, what do, we, what, what do they call the fifth anniversary? Is that the golden or what, do you know the breakdowns with the medals of like different anniversaries? I know that it exists. <laughs> I don't <laughs> Wood, I don't like (laughs) things that intrigue Carson. Followed by, yeah, I'd like to know that as well with Bradley. (laughs) How are you, man? I'm doing great uh, for a Wednesday. Um, It's been a pretty easy week. My sophomores are gone on their Big Ben trip, and um, they're the last class that I teach. And uh, so I've been done by like noon every day this week. It's been pretty great. Yeah, you hit me up early. Uh, for the podcast, which I was excited to uh, to go ahead and get recording early, and uh, you showed up even earlier than your early ETA, and um, I insisted on taking a shower and doing my hair because I thought it would raise the production value of the podcast if I felt. <laughs> I mean, wh- whatever you know puts you in your comfort zone, that's quite all right. Um, yeah, I'm typically early everywhere I go, so that's a great quality. I appreciate that. Especially yeah. for a teacher, for a guy, for just an upstanding member of society. Like there are definitely people that get places early. Um, you're one of them. I would say, well, let me ask you, what which one do you think that I am? Do you think I get places early on time or late? Um, just from hanging out with you over the years, I I think that you like to make an entrance, so I feel like you're <laughs> typically like, I feel like you could be on time. It's not like you're, you know, running around and like, oh, no, I forgot to do this. Like, I think you just kind of like showing up late. That is, <laughs> you know me really, really well. That yeah. Is, I, th- I feel like there's a breakdown between personal and professional. And I think personal, I'm intentionally, you know, depending on the event, yeah, 15 yeah, sure. minutes to an hour and 15 minutes late. Um, yeah, it's, I like making an entrance, but. Uh, I, I recently went to uh, some friends engagement party and I really felt like I needed to be there like right on time. I didn't really know what the agenda was or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so it, it started at five. I get there at five ten, and I'm going to go ahead and say that probably 85% of total attendees to the party were already there. So I just bulldozed through the crowd. Like I knew probably 90% of the people there. So I, I literally made a lap like hugged, hugged babies, shook hands, did whatever. Um, and then got back to the front and that's when the bride and groom were walking through the door. Mm. So then we got to have our first powwow with them and everyone was clapping for their entrance and everything. Yeah. Uh, but it was like, I hit everybody and then I could just go and enjoy the night. So it was like a perfect late entrance where, you know, I still made it in time for the grand reveal, which I didn't even know was part of the agenda. Yeah, I get that. Um, What's that saying? It's like, well, like I typically arrive 10 to 15 minutes early and I feel on time. And whenever I'm on time, I feel like I'm late. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like making if you're on like, time. You're late. Yeah. I also don't like being the last person there. So like, I feel like if I, if I typically show up early, I can always kind of bounce like two thirds of the way through and oh, kind of feel point. like I did, did my part, you know, and had some good face time with whoever I'm hanging out with. Well, regardless of how we got here and the fact that you were early, uh, greatly appreciated. It is episode five yes. of the Weekly Catch-Up Podcast. Thanks to everyone who's listened, tweeted, uh, Facebooked, left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We, uh, we've gotten some great listens. Um, 
seems like a, a pretty good cluster of our friends and family are kind of actively engaged in the week to week. It was interesting, like debuting the fourth episode, which, you know, let, let's let's go ahead and address the elephant in the room. That was definitely a let our <laughs> hair down episode. Um, you know, apologies to all the multitudes of fans for just <laughs> dropping the <laughs> F-bomb. I think uh, Bradley... Yeesh. Bradley really just had a heart attack after that. We had to wrap the podcast. Yeah. Right. I, I just didn't know how to act. Now, now we should use that as like a promo, like because oh, episode four is not doing as well as the others. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Carson drops the f bomb in episode four. Go have oh, a listen. God. Yeah. Um. Now it was tastefully edited. Thank you to uh, Bradley Redban over here. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my job apparently. Well, yeah, it's been uh, also thanks for coming over, given the fact that we're having like an ice monsoon that's hitting Dallas Fort Worth at this point. Yeah, I'm just it's, it's freezing out here. I feel like I'm back in Maryland or something with all the rain that we've been having and and just just being cold, man. Had to had to turn on my heater for the first time yesterday. Oh, man. So I live in I've lived in two buildings historically that were older. Uh, one was actually in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, it was like a, a cool high rise downtown. Um, I lived on the 11th story and they had this chiller heater situation where you could only run like AC or heat. Mm. Um, so they would they would basically toggle the switch like apartment complexes whenever the temperature dips below 35 or 40 or something like that. So many consecutive days, they toggle the switch and then you don't have access to whatever you just had access to. So nice. yesterday, my current apartment notified us that they were switching that over because it's, it's an older building. I right. live in like a, there's like 20 apartments in the entire building type situation. Uh, and that is the worst day of my life because if you know me, I you like to keep hang it cold, me. baby. I like that's how my mom is. Uh, that's how my uncle is. That's just the way I was raised. And, you know, I I legitimately like to keep it at about 58 degrees Fahrenheit uh, when I sleep. That's no lie. I'm shivering as I speak. The The normal routine was like 58, uh, 58 at night. And then I would raise it to about 65 for when I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> but when electric bills are you know, 30% of your rent, you're like, okay, this is, something's wrong. Right. So what's been up this week? Oh, um, nothing. I saw you Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. My mom's birthday was on Monday, so I'm going out to see her this weekend, Happy celebrate birthday, her. Mom. Yeah, yeah. And um, this past weekend was um, my high school's alumni weekend. Oh, it's... yeah. We teased that last week. Whoa. How, uh, how, how was that? It was great. Um I sang on the praise team for like the first time in 10 or 11 years. That was my first time on stage singing. I don't typically like doing that, but my old uh, choir director asked if I would help out. And uh, I really respect that guy. So I decided to um, entertain him and, and go do that. And uh, then I got to see a bunch of old friends, had some good food. And then let's see. Um, I don't really but know what else. Back happened. up real quick. Okay. I have a question. Yes. Why do you not enjoy being in front for the praise team stuff anymore? Um, there are better people with better voices. Like, I mean, I enjoy singing. I don't think I have a terrible voice, but I get really nervous. And I know there's people that are better at it than myself. And I like more of like a one-on-one -on -one type of thing. Like I love being at church and like going around and, you know, wishing everyone like a good day and, you know, just chatting with them. But as far as like all eyes on me while I'm up on stage, 
not a fan of that. Are we talking about like a, a solo or? Yeah, well, I mean, you. I've so seen there were like sing in so many different formats with like a hundred people on stage, with twenty, with four, with one. What at what number does it start to get really nerve wracking? Um, so I can definitely sing like in a choir easily. Uh, that doesn't bother me at all. But like this past weekend, it was just three singers, including me, and I was the only male. So it's like, and like I'm also not really good at like singing harmonies and stuff like that. And I ended up having to do that. And so I I think it went well. You know, we got some compliments afterward. Um, But it's just like outside of my comfort zone, really. Yeah. I I had one solo once in my life. (laughs) And it was, I think it was the second grade talent show at Bethany Christian School. And I was a big Billy Joel fan in second grade. And I think it was a Billy Joel song or something. And I was trying to sing and play the piano, like Christina Aguilera style. Like I all. didn't even know you played the piano. Yeah, for years. Wow. Um, I've done a lot of things that you don't know about for two years. <laughs> like growing up, then... I was I was a gymnast. Did you know that? I had no idea. Yeah, I, I trained at uh, the same gym that Nastia Lukin and Carly Patterson trained at. That's incredible. Yeah, I wasn't on their level. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think I, like, I don't think we'd be like, here. Woo, the foam pit. <laughs> right. Wow. I well, did that for two years. Uh, I was a horseback rider for two years. What? Yeah. Like to the point that we like were working at the stables like part time and like, you know, we would we could just go like saddle up and like do our thing. Like my we wanted to show horses at one point. My mind, my mind is blown. I cannot imagine. The fact that you things. didn't even know this is like it's funny because. You know, now that I have more of a frame of reference, like looking back, uh, I guess maybe back in the day it was like, oh, Carson's a quitter or something. Because <laughs> I definitely did all of these things pretty aggressively for two years at a time. So I yeah. played piano for two years. Uh, you were over it. I played Fur de Elise or whatever the famous thing is sure. um, at my piano recital. I played Titanic, My Heart Must Go On. Oh. Ooh. Man. You have no idea. Pulling on the heartstrings. Yeah, I would just sit around and listen to that Celine Dion CD and cry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did karate for two years. Really? Yeah, I got a yellow belt. And then one day I showed up for sparring and I wasn't wearing my cup for some reason. And some girl like kicked me in my uh, privates and I cried in front of everyone. And then I never never went back. (laughs) (laughs) I got a yellow belt and (laughs) bounced. She's like, I thought this was self-defense class. Yeah. This perp needs to get off. No, no, man. Uh, how old like, were you? I was like in second grade, I think. Second or third grade. I'm trying to, what, are you eight, nine? Yeah, probably around nine years old. I never remember because I don't, I don't know any kids, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I don't teach elementary, but that, that seems like a nine or ten year old thing. That's too funny. Uh, what else? What else did you do for two years? Um collected pokemon cards yeah man i sold pokemon cards dude i have all original 151 pokemon cards in a binder i got that charizard yeah man i'm waiting for waiting for that price to go up i i slang those things like i was a drug dealer that didn't do drugs like (laughs) i didn't know like i'd seen some episodes i was like i thought i was hip to it i'm like yeah man that's pikachu like (laughs) but what i would do is Instead of a lemonade stand, I would go to the top of the street and like literally set up like a, <laughs> it was like that five cent nickel psychiatric help from Charlie Brown. Right. I would set up a little stand like that and I'd have a binder full of Pokemon cards 
And, you know, I grew up in this like leather bracelet, puka shell type neighborhood. Whoa. So all these little white boys were like getting <laughs> off of their, uh, their little uh, half ramps. Yeah. <laughs> their razor scooters. Yeah. They were like, cool. And I would sell them and yeah, Man. often didn't really understand I think the value, I don't know if there were sets that if you got this many in this set or this year, like you had the complete, but some guys were more savvy to that than me. And they, oh yeah, I'll take that one in particular. So you got your first and second editions and holographic cards and whatnot. Yeah. You, you and our friends, Michael and Shelly are super into Pokemon Go. Um, They're always playing Pokemon Go and they'll go places with like 50 or a hundred people sometimes. Oh wow. And they'll send out like a an Instagram story or whatever. And it's like literally 75 people in a field or a park, like chasing Pokemon. Yeah. And I don't understand the cyclical nature of this because when it first came out, like you saw everybody on the street corner. That's what I was about to say. Whenever it first came out, I spent the first two weeks playing it. And oh, you were one of them. Yeah. But it came out. I played for two weeks and then I went on a cruise and I got back and I was like, I'm like, I don't know. Dude, I felt like I felt like I got behind or something and I just quit. <laughs> They're all caught. <laughs> yeah. When it first came out, I was actually on a pretty raucous bachelor party in New Orleans with like 13 dudes. Yeah. And we're all in this like big attic apartment. It was really awesome. We had hammocks strung from like the different uh, beams and it was like true New Orleans style. And so we're going out to the casinos. We're going out on alligator tours and doing all of this different stuff. And it was funny because the guys were just splitting time between catching Pokemon and like cruising through Tinder group, like trying to like, (laughs) you know, drum up some bachelor party shenanigans. But it was so funny because I was like, I feel like there's a correlation there. Like (laughs) there's a reason you're on Tinder swiping and one. And that reason is because you're playing Pokemon Go. Yeah, I'm not even familiar with all the uh, the the Tinder variations or like Tinder group or uh Bumble BFF, like there's so many different platforms now. And I, I, I don't know if we talked about Facebook rolling out dating, but that's truly. I think we've talked about that like off mic for just like briefly. Like but, horror. But yeah, I really don't know much about it. Um, so that's that's Pokemon Go. Um, so <laughs> I was I was like kind of a, a casual consumer, yeah. if you will. Um, what else were you into? Oh, I briefly like Yu-Gi-Oh, which is like the same concept. Um, I was into video games for a long time. And then like I kind of stopped playing in high school. Um, I don't know. What about you? Yeah, I was never really allowed to do video games too much. Like I think that they were. I remember having to fight pretty hard over some over some time to like get a Game Boy type deal. And that was back when like Mario and like I was, you know, jumping on turtle heads and stuff and uh, getting like a Game Boy or my dad's old Palm Pilot and playing like Brick Breaker or something like, I mean, that was, I'm a little bit older than you, not by much, but I mean, that was, (laughs) that was what was going on back then. Right, right. Um, But I wasn't, they did let me play Oregon Trail um, and I was just kind of a a real doo-doo head with (laughs) Oregon Trail because... I would just, you know, I would be packing the rations for the trip. And what do you think your boy took? <laughs> Nothing but bullets. <laughs> right. And then I would just go out and I would shoot everything on the range. And then everybody would die of dysentery within six days. And that sounds about right, man. You know, so the games were like, I, mean, I don't know how long your longest Oregon trail hike or trek was, but mine was about six miles. 
<laughs> Couldn't even make it out of the parking lot. No. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, um, but that was kind of my weekend. What did you end up doing this weekend? Uh, this weekend... Oh, I actually had some cool stuff go on this weekend. I had dinner with some friends uh, at Bandito's on Friday night, and that's a staple. I love that. I need to take you there sometime. Yes, please. Uh, I don't believe we've ever been. No, we'll hit up Mansfield and then Bandito's. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Opposite direction, but (laughs) it's actually, it's north of here. I don't know if it's a chain or what to do. I actually used to eat at a Bandito's in Baltimore. Uh, Did you ever go... Down there on uh, Charles in Fed Hill. I don't. I'm, I don't recall. I don't think so. Okay. Well, Fed Hill. Uh, there was a Bandito's, and it was like there was two, two kind of not Tex-Mexy but Mexicany options. Whenever I was living in Baltimore, that I kind of clung to, uh, and Bandito's was one of them. And then I come back and like there's this great place in Snyder Plaza called Bandito's okay. uh, that's actually like really good. Nice. Um. So I went there with some friends on Friday. And had it was like a good extended conversation with some really close friends type deal. And then uh, Saturday morning, um, got up and went to the gun range with our friends John and Michael. And um, geez, dude, like John brought <laughs> some artillery. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, it was scary. No, uh, I shot a pretty. I shot an AR-15 actually. How was that? Uh, it was cool. Like he he had built it basically from the ground up like he stripped it apart that's the weird thing about these guns like they'll strip them apart and they'll show you like this is the actual gun part and it's just like a piece of plastic looking yeah. you know it's it's not anything intimidating uh but he he'd built like a scope with like a laser um like basically i i had to like i'm a little bit bigger than he is but i had to extend the bump stock or whatever it is okay. the bump stock that's the bad thing but the the handle i don't even know what i'm saying here but I had to extend it, and then I was trying to like look through the scope through the uh, the laser to see the target, and I was having a hard time getting the alignment because we're just sized differently. But I ended up getting a couple rounds off, and it was funny because the kick on the AR-15 was actually probably equal or more minimal than the kick from my Glock 43, mm. which I couldn't believe. But yeah, I was excited because I, I went and got fingerprinted for my ltc my license to carry last week and so um hadn't been to the range with john he'd wanted to bring some of the some of the big boys out and um i gotta tell you though there was one guy next to us that i don't know what he was shooting but like literally (laughs) we're all at the range right like there's probably 10 10 lanes and one through eight are like normal guns like even an AR-15 is a normal gun compared to whatever this guy was shooting because there was a flame coming out of the bo- out of the side. Um, yeah, it, it was like literally everybody quit shooting and like went to go look at what was being fired. <laughs> yeah. And it was obnoxious. And then two lanes over from him, the same gun was being fired with a silencer or whatever it's called on it. Okay. And it was just like, thank you, dude. Like, <laughs> Right. <laughs> It's like, way to not put a big old muffler on the back of that already big truck. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> those people that just, <laughs> I hate those people. No regard. Yeah. Anyway, so right. we did that. We went to brunch. Um, oh, I don't think I've even told you this. So Carson is going to be Reverend Carson. What? Yes. I'm. Uh, Are you officiating? I'm embarking on a monastic lifestyle for the remainder of my days. Um, wow. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to okay. get 
reverend up online somehow because I am officiating a wedding. That's incredible. <laughs> Can you believe that? I cannot. <laughs> you before me? <laughs> <laughs> that is surprising, isn't it? That kind of is. Well, who's, whose wedding is this? So uh, two of our friends, two of my best friends, oldest, longest friends, um, really unique situation when like your female bestie and one of your male besties like start dating and then get engaged and then they get married. Um, But our friends, Michael and Shelly are getting married next year. And they asked me at brunch on Sunday or Saturday if I would marry them. And I was like, well, guys, this seems like an untraditional lifestyle, but maybe we could talk about it. And they were like, no, no, no. No. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) oh, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) no uh they asked me to officiate they said you're kind of at the origin of a bunch of our story um which was like i don't know it was it was super meaningful like it was it was moving yeah because i think that's great i think everybody associated with that wedding some of us have were concerned at different points like are we going to be a bridesmaid or are we going to be a groomsman or whatever whatever it's called and I told Michael immediately, I was like, dude, this is like way more meaningful than like groomsmen, you know, yeah. I mean? like, I mean, the fact that in front of God and all these witnesses, you know, a hundred of our best friends, essentially, you're helping them seal the deal. Yeah. And it was funny because they were like, we want you to be Carson, but not to Carson. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they can't edit and like bleep you out like yeah. <laughs> live, you know? <laughs> I'm sure swearing will be allowed at this wedding. <laughs> no, uh, I think that they're looking for, I mean, we have, I want a lot of it to be a surprise, of course. Yes, but, absolutely. Um, it's just interesting. Um, I think that, I, and I'm not going to reveal who is on each side of this, but one of them wants to write custom wedding vows and one of them wants to say, I do. Mm. And don't, don't go prying. Cause I don't want to, I don't want, I'm already blowing up their spot on this podcast, yeah. but it leads me to a good question, which I already know you're going to write your own. <laughs> yes. I w- <laughs> Are they already yeah. written? No, they're not already written. Dear insert name. Yeah. <laughs> to whom it may concern. Yeah. No, I have not written mine, but I will definitely be like as a writer. I mean, it doesn't get more meaningful than writing those vows, you know? Yeah. I just, I feel like I always cry when it comes to custom vows. It's just Dude, like, it's a, it's a prereq. I will definitely be crying at my wedding. Oh yeah. You'll be a crier. Yeah. It's kind sure. of annoying, like already knowing ahead of time. Um, so whenever that day happens, going to need some Kleenex. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, when, when is that day coming? I don't know. Have you seen your gal pal again since uh, you took her to the pumpkin patch and made it all? A yeah, she. Uh, so my soccer boys, uh, they had a playoff game on Monday and uh, we were fighting for third place and we ended up winning. Shout out to them. Um, but my girlfriend, her brothers are seniors on the team. And um, so she came to support them as well. So, yeah, I got to see her. That's dope. Yeah. Well, everything going well with that? <laughs> Everything's going swimmingly, man. How's, uh, you know, shout out to the guy that I labeled a chump again last week. Um, you know, he's he doing, doing better. He's doing much yeah. better. Yeah. Spirits picked up. He actually, I told him to come into uh, my classroom, you know, just so we could, because he had texted me the other day, but I was already 
like getting ready for bed and everything. So I just told him to come to my classroom. So he came in today and, you know, we just chatted and he, he's in much brighter and better spirits. So I'm really happy for him. You know, he, he, he's thought about what I said, like he, and he took some of my advice and, uh, he's going to be all right. It's already somebody new. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> I, yeah. It's like, I, I just heard all these words, but all I pictured was like a scope. Like yeah. there's somebody new in the crosshairs. Yeah. He'll be okay. You know, that's just, that's how high schoolers, that's how they roll. Well, that's cool, man. Um, yeah, no, uh, I, I had all that good stuff happen to me over the weekend. Also, our, our friend John, who's also getting married, yes. who's, ironically enough, is Shelly's big brother, brother yeah. and they're getting married like a week apart. <laughs> I think I'm going to be a groomsman in that wedding. Okay. And that one's a little bit different in that I don't know his fiance to the extent that I know both parties in the Michael Shelly situation. Right. But, um, I absolutely love her. Um, yeah, she's great. Shout out Sarah. You guys have actually, you're actually going to be inheriting them because they're going to move to Fort Worth and you right. guys are just going to do your running club stuff. And I, yeah, well I had, well, I don't know anymore because I had been running with them, but that running group meets on Wednesdays and this is when we record. Oh, so John can... had actually texted me last week, but I was in the middle of recording with you. Well, so we can, we can always, yeah, we can swap out dates finagle or it around yeah, or something, yeah. but but yeah, no, it's been great uh, just hanging out with them and getting to know them. They're both really good people. Oh, yeah. Plus, you wouldn't want to run the day. It's like 33 degrees. Oh, and yeah. It's sleeting or something. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll revisit that I played, next year. I played 54 holes of golf uh, Sunday and Monday. How'd you do? Um, yeah, so uh, golf was great. <laughs> uh, no, Play it, basketball? It sucked because, uh, no, the first round, I've been playing with my with my buddy, my cousin, Scott. Um, okay. I've actually been doing some, some freelance work with him for his land development that he's doing up in Broken Bow, Oklahoma. Um, he's got like 340 acres that he bought way back in the day. And now he's like gone through the trouble of, you know, cutting roads and putting in electric and surveying the land. And uh, he just parceled off like the first 30 lots and he sold almost all of them already to like oh, wow. some pretty kind of, affluent cool people like i think he has an ex-nfl player um he has just a bunch of like kind of dallas uh affluent couples and and families if you will like building a second vacation home and um so anyway he's been golfing with me a lot recently and last tuesday i kind of kicked him all over the course Um, normally we have a betting system worked out where normally he plays like uh gold tees i'll play blue tees or he'll play blue i'll play white and then uh, he's been taking me to new courses that I've never played before. So typically in that situation, I get a stroke a hole. Yeah. So if he shoots par, I can shoot a bogey and we bump. Gotcha. Um, but that particular day, uh, he took me to a, a new course and I won both sides. Like <laughs> <laughs> He was actually very frustrated <laughs> because the reason I know uh, that he was frustrated is because he hit me up within four or five days to like golf again. He was like, uh, and he called it a rematch. Payback. Yeah. So he's like, can you be at the house by two? I want to rematch. And I'm like, all right, I've awoken the beast here. <laughs> but he's also exposing me to all these like, you know, cool golf courses that of my own volition, I wouldn't probably venture out to just right. alone. Um, so the the first Sunday round, uh, I won the front, uh, front, the front nine, actually, as weird mm-hmm. as that is. But then I just cratered. I hadn't eaten on the back nine. So he took the round narrowly. Um, he didn't win the maximum amount of money that he could. Okay. Uh, so, you know, we're big 
smack talkers to each other. So I can imagine I made sure to let him know that, you know, the money that I was handing to him was just me returning a portion of the money that he'd given me the week prior. Yeah. And so I, I yeah, I, I'm competitive with him, which um, You're he's competitive with most. He's definitely better than me. Um, but it just sucks because on the rounds that I lose, then he gets to give me tips on how to get better at the game all the way home. Oh, so it's like, yeah, I mean, this pro over here, maybe could line up that swing or like maybe you looked at this new golf club and I'm like, if I just won, we <laughs> we wouldn't be, you know, because I'm like, yeah, I know how to optimize my game. I could hire a trainer. I could like yeah. get $2,000 fitted shaft clubs like, you know, that's that's <laughs> not the point. The point is to play well consistently with with good clubs, bad clubs, whatever you have, because, you know, you're mentally tough. You know, the course, you know, the game and you're patient with it. Yeah. And so that's the, this whole year. Um, this is the first year that I've really picked up playing like a lot of golf. Okay. So that means you have one more year until you quit. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> that's pretty funny, actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to do my golf recital and then I'm going to bow and yeah. that's it. No, <laughs> no, I actually think that uh, I did golf as a, as a kid. Um, I think my my dad got me. I think he got me clubs as like a toddler or a club, right? And um, he definitely played for some business, and he was more into squash and or no, I'm sorry, racquetball. Okay. He was a big racquetball guy. Um, he he always did a lot more racquetball than golf. Um, I'm more the golfer in the family, but he's definitely. I mean, he can go out there and shoot bogey, double bogey golf like without having played in a year. Yeah. You know, so he's he's pretty athletic, Not too shabby. Um, he was the real gymnast. Um, believe it or not, like competitive touring. I can see that. That type of thing. Um, where was I going with all that? Uh, you just. Oh, this year. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was telling my cousin, like, I just bought the cheapest set of clubs on Amazon after I got back from YC in April. Once I'd like practiced, I think, 30 or 40 times when I was out in Mountain View. Yeah. With my old set. So it was really more about a commitment to the game and like you know, being healthy and walking around and I, I wanted to adopt this for life. So I'll slowly accrue all of these things, but that's just my big gripe about losing. Okay. Um, and then my buddy David Richardson actually took off work on Monday and it was right as like all of this inclement weather was coming in. And so we, we golf the last six hours of appropriate weather time in Dallas before the freeze and the rain came. We ended up golfing like 36 holes that day. Um, wow. So we just, we played 36 in like five, six hours. Okay. Wow. Um, That's. And I I was double bogey golf all day, you know, no, actually the second 18, I, I probably parred, you know, nine or 10 holes, but otherwise it was like, I put a nine on the scorecard and anytime you put a nine on a hole, you're screwed. (laughs) Well, there you have it. So, but I was talking to this guy, uh, I played I was actually playing with Scott. I don't remember where. Um, I don't remember if I told you about this guy, but we played with this dude that actually runs a golf journalism, like online publication. Okay. It's called like world's greatest golf destinations.com or something like that. And he was basically like, yeah, I get all these trips to like, you know, these bougie resorts all over the world. And they're like, come review us, come write an article. We'll put you up. You can play golf, talk to the superintendent or whatever. And he's like, I've got so many trips that I, I don't want to go on all of them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, what's the deliverables here? Like you write a story. Is there audio, visual, video? Is there a podcast? Like, and he's like, 
he's like taking notes, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like, oh, like I'm in a good idea. Like, oh yeah. How are you growing this? This right. is awesome. And he was like, yeah, we could, we could add some of those things on. <laughs> <laughs> and so we ended up exchanging contact info and I wasn't are really you about to fly out for this man and check yeah, out some seriously. of these courses. Well, that's, that's the angle that I was thinking about playing, playing it because I don't really view it as like a longer term money-making opportunity per se, but I mean, if they were to fly me to, you know, the Zozo championship where Tiger just won his 82nd event on the PGA tour. That's right. Nobody has won more tournaments than Tiger Woods on the PGA tour. Um, We'll come back to that because that's a big deal. But the Zozo uh, course over there in uh, Japan, that looks beautiful. And if they're going to fly me to a resort, to a place I've never been to play golf on like, you know, thousand dollar courses. In and of itself is phenomenal. Heck yeah. Okay. Um, have not followed up with him. Yeah. <laughs> so well, we'll see. All right. No, I actually, I took my career. Um, like I, I've been playing some opportunities right now, like doing some freelance, doing this podcast, um, and then milking some, some conversations with some people that I've known about some potential projects that we might do together. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. I know you had, uh, written up something this morning and I didn't know, uh, you had any updates just as far as uh yeah what's going on in that aspect yeah so i'd gotten i've had i've been having a conversation that's you know been taking place over the last probably four or six weeks um and were all of that to work out you know i'd probably sign on the dotted line and you know go do that um because it sounds like it'd be a cool gig um and that's all i'm gonna say about that one right now that's all right <laughs> but uh you know you know what do they say? Uh, a bird in the <laughs> bird in the hand. Uh, bird in the hand. Yeah. What is that? In, uh, yeah. Bottom line: I I flooded the market today because hey. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to count my count my eggs before they're hatched or anything like that. Um, Don't count the bird before they're in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be the dad that like mixes up like two quotes together. And just talks nonsense and it's like sounds like advice but it's just nonsense you got another one nope <laughs> i want you to come up with three more before this podcast is right, over. Hey, i'll be thinking on it <laughs> continue Because now i am and i'm totally derailed <laughs> yeah. no uh yeah no i'm i was trying to i hadn't really gone super public on you know twitter or linkedin like hey you know i, I left my company blah 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 uh but today i wrote a, a article on linkedin um and it was basically just, I was very blunt, like, I'm writing this to basically provide some historical context about what I've, where I've been uh, for potential employers that are interested in learning more about me. Yeah. And then I just talk about, you know, the different sales pipelines that I've built over the years for, you know, everything from um, creative services, human capital to creative services at an ad agency to uh, traditional and online media uh, to jobs packages to, you know, startup world. And so it went really well. Like I was, I was glad that I just kind of, um, you know, I was proactive about that. Um, because you know, it's already, what time is it? Like three something four something. And I've already scheduled like two or three phone call interviews and, uh, just from my own network of Let's people go. that read the blog and uh, shout out to the people that support and like reshared it. Like my buddy, Jake, um, who's very connected in that world. He's up at Toyota connected, uh, just, he just flew to Tokyo. Mm. I don't know if I told you about this. He did not. But this dude, 
Uh, first of all, he's hired like hundreds of developers since he started at Toyota Connected, but he's since kind of worked his way up into this. I don't even know what his, his technical role is anymore. He's like running scrum for like this agile recruiting team that is recruiting developers. But he's also, I feel like participating more in like the managed output at this point. Yeah. And so anyway, they had this thing like, hey, submit your ideas. Maybe you get to go to Tokyo or, you know, you get patented. And so he did that. And like multiple ideas of his were the front runners and he was flown to Tokyo wow. and there's follow up like executive committees that he's forming out of this. And like, I mean, he is, you know, I, I told him the day I was like, boy, who would have thought you would be Mr. Corporate Innovation out of, yeah, that's you know, crazy. like, congrats, he, Jake. Yeah, man. Um, so he, he's connected me with a couple of people, but um, yeah, I just have some exciting conversations going with uh, primarily software as a service companies. Um, you know, my, my preference being, you know, I want to work with something new and exciting, like, you know, something API centric, um, not, you know, I haven't applied at Oracle <laughs> or I don't even know, uh, Microsoft, I saw a very lucrative role for them out of yeah. Dallas, but now we have, I mean, there's a Salesforce building in Dallas now, right? Like two miles from here. Um, so they have a big hub out of here. Um, I have some friends over at. I probably shouldn't say all the names, but um, I sent out some Twitter DMs today. I wrote a LinkedIn article. And just by doing some of these little things, like I kicked up some interest and like I checked out the uh, the analytics breakdown on like who viewed the article. And I was like, all right, cool, because it was like a bunch of investors and founders and people in San Francisco, New York, Dallas, um, London. They'd read the post. They, yeah. you know, interacted with it. And then I got a bunch of DMs That's off of wonderful. that. So just trying to you know, make sure that I'm maintaining progress towards, you know, the inevitable goal, which is I want to go into the new year, understanding how I'm going to spend the bulk of my waking hours, you know, Monday through Friday, at least. Um, I want to know what I'm going to be focused on. And so I just posted to LinkedIn, you know, looking to join a dynamic, you know, team um, that's focused on revenue growth, you know, partnerships uh, and community. Yeah. Um, so that's really, uh, it's been it's been a good day. It's cool, man. As a result, so, I like that. Yeah, it's interesting. I haven't I haven't brushed things up and like kind of gone out and looked at the market in quite a while, and it's it's kind of exciting. It's kind of like I just lost some weight and I'm back on the <laughs> dating scene or oh, something. You yeah. know, like hey, <laughs> swipe right. Yeah, <laughs> hire me. <laughs> well, that's cool. I mean, I'm just you know plugging away in my classroom. And putting out a fight. A lot of students have come like recently to confide in me and like their relationships and stuff. You know, I told you about that one guy, and then I had a a group chat with some of my students yesterday, and they were asking me about dating. And they asked me the question, um, "Do you think it's okay to like date around uh, without any intention of, you know, marrying them or anything like that?" And you know, they're they're trying to figure out how they feel about it and uh so that was interesting oh man yeah all right so <laughs> good luck like <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying I, like everybody's different everybody like has an agenda and like what they're searching for and um they as i was telling them i was like you know you can take advice from your parents or whoever but also dating has changed since you know I first started dating. It's certainly changed since like our parents, you know, we're in the dating scene and, um, 
uh, these kids, their attention spans are just like so short and they have so much at their fingertips. It's like, well, this person doesn't like the same music as me. So I, you know, it's not going to work out. Like, like it's, it's something as petty as that because they just have so many options that it's just hard for them to stick with one person. And I was just trying to, you know, convey and relay that message to them. And I'm just like, you know, at the end of the day, like people just suck. <laughs> like, you know, best of luck out there. Um, I like how you're keeping it real. Yeah. I mean, I just told them, I was like, I envision it as like a large circle. And as you get older, that circle just starts getting smaller and smaller with like fewer people in it. And, and you just start narrowing down on the type of person that you would want to date. Um, and so I don't see any harm in like dating around, but at the same time, like don't get your hopes up because I don't know people. I guess you'd have to, start. you'd have to define what dating around means you know, in terms of what these kids are asking. But you know, I heard that, especially growing up in like, you know, obviously a more conservative Southern Bible belt home, Right. you know, I remember, uh, I think they gave me this book at one point, um, by this, he was some famous Christian author guy that was like, I kiss dating goodbye. And I don't know if you've read this book, not, but, but it's about this dude. That I've is, already, I've already formed an opinion on it. I mean, it, it makes sense. Like, yeah, if I'm a 34 year old Christian author and I have all of this data to look back on, oh, totally uh, like a bunch of waste of time. Like I, I've wasted more girls time than, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, but I've realized, and it wasn't honestly until <laughs> the last couple of years that like up until I mean, maybe not even now, probably not even now. I've never, I've never actually had a need to move forward into like a, a real marriage or like, I, I wasn't, I had the, the intentionality and the feelings before, yeah. you know, to do all of that, right. to, you know, and that's, that's why it's like futile to tell a 12, yeah. 15, 18 year old, like, Hey, just don't worry about this. <laughs> like, just see who you want to marry and just do that. And I was like, I always uh, knew that that was not going to work for me. Um, but I didn't realize that I was not available, like mat maturity wise. Right. Yeah. Like emotionally. Yeah. I think it was, it was kind of a, a conquest in some ways where, oh, this girl won't like me. Oh, she does like me. Now she wants to get married. And then it's like, well, I don't want kids. I'm not buying a house right now. Like I'm, I'm really trying to, figure out who I am in, yeah. in this world in many ways up until, you know, all through my twenties. Right. So I, I don't know. I feel like in some ways we should just tell more people from an early age, like, like do what makes you happy. Yeah, there is no it's, rule it's book. It's all subjective. Like yeah. everybody's different. What works for me is not going to work for you or the next person. Like we all have our own paths and I just like best of luck. And I'm here if you need to vent kind of thing, you know, it's like I can give you, you know, all my stories and, you know, maybe, maybe that'll help you. But at the same time, the same person that, you know, you're eventually going to date is different than the person that I was dating back then. And so it's just, I don't know, there's no one right way to do it. But yeah, so that's just kind of what I've been dealing with. And along with teaching our stories, we finally finished all the novels that we're reading. Um, so now the kids are getting ready and starting on their projects and essays. So that's exciting. Uh, what What's due? Like some sort of, I used to write, uh, <laughs> shout out Mrs. Bowser. <laughs> hey, yeah. I used history. to write literary analyses for 
cash monies. Uh, yeah. Back in college, because, you know, I, she used to give us that excerpt. And, like, if you could only, you know, read this about this day and age, what were the people like? And, right. you know, I could wax eloquent for days on stuff like that. Yeah. Are you saying that she paid you or people paid you to write? She, uh, oh, okay. She, people cool. might have paid me to write. Some, Dude. No shame. One here. one kid got caught though. She was oh. like, "You are too dumb to have written this." And yeah, yeah, he got he got messed up. See, but... I worked at the right spot um, where we would like oh, proofread yeah. people's <laughs> essays, and I got to where I knew like what the teacher expected of particular students. So it's like, we're gonna give you a B, buddy. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like you're gonna pay me for an A, but we know you're not capable. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so wait, you were skimming money no, in the right spot? Never. You come on. You teacher before you were a teacher, <laughs> teacher for profit. Anyway, so back to the kids that I'm. I helping. only did that two or three times. It's funny, like you tell people that you did that, and I viewed it like I was. I was like, why are people more proud of me for like <laughs> being smart and yeah. being a capitalist? Like right. I was like, like that should be something that your parents brag about to be like. Our our child's doing other people's work. And yeah, getting paid not only double did he write it. his essays, he wrote others as well. I don't know. Um, college, college, school admissions. Like this was probably twelve years ago, 10, 12 years ago now. So you know, come after me. You know, <laughs> police. I don't care. <laughs> but nowadays, with like Felicity Huffman just got out of prison, out of yes. jail for like 10, 13 days for paying off that. The people that ran that racketeering scheme. Uh, for the college admissions. Yeah. They paid for their daughters to get in. Yeah. But they had billed like, I think it was in excess of $25 million right. throughout this process. Yeah. Um, so question time for you. Oh boy. Um, have you ever been approached by a parent with any type of bribe for getting their student through a grade or passing a test or, like, have you ever been offered anything indecent in exchange for a more favorable outcome on behalf of a student? No, I've been pleaded, like, please give my child, like, extra credit or something like that. But they've never come to me, like, offering me money or anything of the sort. All right. Well, um, sorry, it's not juicy. Yeah. Maybe once you bump up to the collegiate level. The yeah, money maybe and so. The that's, that's where the money's at. Yeah. Coerce me, baby. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> we know this small Christian school is going to push them through anyway. Um, we don't need to waste money. Ballpark, what kind of money is it to go to your school? Oh, man. Because there's such a disparity. I've known people that go to public high school for free. Right. And then there are, like, my former boss's kids went to some prep schools in Dallas where mm -hmm. they're four, five years old, and it's like $25,000 a year. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if ours is that expensive, but I know it is. it is high up there. Um, we, but our church also is, uh, they've gotten enough donations to where I think they're paying for a total of like 10 kids to go to our school. So like we have oh, people cool. that try to help along the way for, for those that can't afford it. But yeah, private school is definitely uh, a costly expense. Pretty yeah. crazy. Are you going to send your kids to private school? I don't know, man. I haven't decided. It's going to depend on where I am. Like I, I'm definitely a supporter of, uh, private schools. Like I love um, I, I went to the same school from kindergarten to 12th grade. And then I, you know, I went to a private Christian university, you know, and, um, there's, there's definitely a lot of values that I learned. On the other hand, there's 
I, I feel like it's a smaller school, but there's still like crazy things that go on in private schools. Like you, you're just because you're sending your kid to oh, a private school yeah. doesn't mean you're avoiding a lot of the things that you feared about public. No, school. some of them are way worse. Yeah, I don't. They like just get better your, at hiding it. All of it. your sister schools are actual boarding academies where kids legit go crazy. Yeah, like so. that's why. Again, whenever your class came to school, it was it was refreshing to see a more modern academy that was like in the metroplex where it was a commute. It was a commuter school, so the kids were like more normal because they were at home watching the ball game with their parents right. after school. Like they weren't you know, husking corn in some field <laughs> and then retiring for Vespers or something like yeah. no shade. But all I know is that, <laughs> yeah, I probably shouldn't say anything more, but <laughs> all those kids were very strange coming to college. So, yeah. Hey, but real it, quick, they just don't have as much, uh, or they just haven't gotten those social skills cause they're not surrounded by more people anyway. I guess so. Question? Um, no, speaking of, uh, Felicity Huffman, conspiracy theories rings, I think it was oh, you that tweeted out earlier about Epstein. I haven't read anything about that. Have you read anything about this yet? Uh, um, so I did a little reading during my uh, free period this morning, but um, the doctor ruled that uh, he, it was most likely a homicide. Beforehand, they were saying that he had committed suicide while he was in prison. Well, yeah. And so, um, you know, this is the guy that uh, was caught, you know, for uh, having a ring of sex trafficking. And um, then he he's, was killed while he was in prison. He's far more fascinating than that. Ooh, yeah, go ahead. Well, in some ways, he's a big mystery um, because I don't even know if we've discussed him on the podcast we have prior, not. but um, he's actually an educator. Yeah, which sick. Like he's a teacher. Like, and I'm gonna get like that's something that I'm. I don't know. Like, I just get very upset about that kind of thing, like manipulating kids, and you know, well. Okay, I don't know if I'm sure that if this type of manipulation and this kind of thing was going on, you know, up until a couple of years ago that it was going on most of his For adult life time, to a certain extent. Which However, is disgusting. He uh so he was an educator. I, I think the big question in most people's minds is how did he go from being a an educator? Like I think he was at the advanced collegiate level, like he was a true brainiac, like scientist or, or mathematician or something, yep. economist. Um Sorry for not being more precise with that, but somehow he went from that to like being an advisor and, um, you know, in, in finance and, you know, essentially getting these huge gifts and sums of money from, you know, various people. And yeah. so he goes from being an educator to being a billionaire and, you know, the, the big house in New York, the big penthouse that everyone mm -hmm. is always referring to $70 million penthouse. He was given that, right? We don't know why. But anyway, that was actually the penthouse where uh, the Guardian, when I was in London, they, they actually had on the Guardian um, on the BBC, <laughs> uh, the Guardian had reported they'd showed a video of Prince Andrew or Al I never remember which one it is. Prince Albert coming out of that you know penthouse oh, yes, with yeah. like a 17 year old. So we had, yeah, Epstein had ties with him. He's had ties with Bill Clinton, Donald oh, Trump. Billy Clinton's yeah. dirty on this yes, one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bill... We'll, we'll come back to that real quick. But okay. educator, now he's a billionaire. Now he's got the big home. He gets a private island. I guess it was known as Sex Island or something like that. Um, or uh, it, Maybe so. Now it's Pedophilia Island. Right. Essentially, you know how it goes. Like, you know, he gets one. 
hey, go tell your friends, easy way to make money, come to this little party, you know, these other guys are going to be there or whatever. And I don't know how many under the radar, like, uh, girls that he had in his actual possession, like day to day. I don't know if this was like a coercion on a Sunday afternoon situation the majority of the time. I, I get the sense that he probably had some slaves around him at all times, yeah. but I don't know if they were like women that he or girls that he had picked up in like other countries or, you know, that weren't wanted somewhere because, you know, even the girls that slip out for the afternoon, the assumption is they're wanted back somewhere. Right. Home is somewhere or, you know, the shelter or whatever is going on. Um, but anyway, yeah, he, he showed up dead in his uh, prison cell. Yeah. And I mean, cons- the conspiracy theorists, like, I don't think it's like a conspiracy. It's just extremely sketchy how, you know, both cameras were all of a sudden turned off uh, during, you know, whoever was killing him or murdering him. And uh, the guards had fallen asleep. Um, it was just, I don't know. The, he had he could have taken down a lot of people with him. And so uh, somebody with a lot of money. Well, literal royalty. Um, ex-presidents. I mean... Bill Clinton here, <laughs> ex-governor of Arkansas. Uh, he flew on Jeffrey's plane 26 times, okay? Right. 26 times. His private plane. Yeah. Okay? So, goodness. Yeah, there were some emails <laughs> d- deleted there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Clintons have long been suspected yeah. of, by, by certain deranged and uh, bec- becoming seemingly more mainstream conspiracy theorists like over the years. Um, you know, the whole Seth Rogen case that Sean Hannity got in big trouble for, a bunch of people got in trouble for, uh, kind of, you know, they said that it was a robbery gone wrong, but he had his wallet and his phone and everything yeah. still in his pocket. And he was rumored to have done the WikiLeaks to, for the Democratic, uh, the DNC email bank or something, mm-hmm. something of that effect. Um, and it was debunked, you know, he... Fox News was told to apologize, all of this stuff. Like, you know, it's a, de- a debunk conspiracy theory. But then you have one of these that's just served up to you on a silver platter with Bill Clinton's name all over it. Yeah. And you're just like, what What gives, you know? I don't know, man. Um, this just reminds me of the idea, because I, like I said, I had just finished To Kill a Mockingbird uh, with my juniors. And we were just talking today, like, how... You know, the book talks about whenever Tom Robinson, the black man, walks into the courthouse, um, the people had already made up their mind. And I, I, and I feel like that sentiment is true today, like no, regardless of, um, you know, who's on the stand or whatever, or how you feel about Bill Clinton. Like a lot of us have probably already made up our mind um, be- before this evidence had been brought to us, you know. Uh, about what? About his guilt, or yeah, about him being guilty, or yeah, I mean, he wasn't same with, same with his wife. He was a predator. Um, or are we talking about Bill, or are we talking about Jeffrey? I mean, I was talking about Bill, but oh. I mean, the same applies to Jeffrey no, too. The, the thing is, I love Bill Clinton. I really do. I mean, he's a schmoozer and a ha- he's an inspiration. Like that Southern draw, and like he goes he's straight. A, he's a schmoozer, but I mean. I mean Frank Underwood was like based on them. I feel like you know, <laughs> yeah, House of Cards. I don't know. It's but if he, it, I mean, if he's schmoozing, no, if he was involved with a uh, you know pedophilia or any right. underage activity, that's that's just not you. That's not allowed. Okay, <laughs> that's not yeah. an option. 
Sorry, I was that zoning. Just, that just needed to be said. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. Was I condoning that for a second? <laughs> I mean, I, I just wanted you to say it so people are getting that. I got confused idea. as to whether or not we were talking about Jeffrey Epstein or Bill Clinton. Yeah, no, no. Good. I think Bill Clinton. You know, I that is a weird thing for me in that I say he's guilty of sin. He flew in that plane twenty six times, but I love Bill Clinton, right. so I don't really know what to think there. You know, like yeah. I, I don't. I want to think that it's a happy coincidence that he was on the plane twenty six times and that he never did anything wrong, or you know. I don't know. It's one of those. Maybe, maybe she was eighteen or something. Like maybe he know, barely man. snuck in under the radar. And and that's a, I mean, shame on anybody that says she's she just turned eighteen. You know, that's yeah. a terrible thing. But yeah. don't <laughs> don't throw glass at stone houses, man. Well, I'm anxious to see what comes out about that. Like, I feel like it. Everything's a conspiracy in this day and age. Like, I don't know. Just all the different connect with the impeachment inquiry going on with, you know, all the connections that people are making between, well, Jeffrey Epstein was prosecuted by, you know, Rudy Giuliani's yeah. personal attorney lawyer over here. And he died in a Trump, you know, administration prison, like the same way that you're able to say, Oh, look at my economy. Look at, you know, all the jobs that I created, even though, you know, you, you might have harnessed an overall spirit that yes. led to an optimism. And the tax cuts were good for big business, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, it's more controversial, I guess, if you're a Democrat. But even the middle class, I'd say a good majority of our friends um, are experiencing better IRAs and, yeah. you know, retirement accounts and um, take-home pay even. Yep. Like, did you get a bump? Did you get more take-home pay after the tax, the um, tax act? Yes, a little bit, but I was also in Maryland where they have even more state taxes. So, oh yeah, they do have state taxes there, right? And so I didn't Ugh. get to experience the full effect, and I won't even this year because I spent half the year working in Maryland. So next year um, will be a nice year for me, I believe. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people received a, a direct bump in their pay whenever the taxes went down, but I don't know, man. What, what's the vibe? I know that. I mean, Trump just went through Keene where you teach. Um, yeah. It seemed like people were lining the streets Dude, with American they were, flags. And and... They were over by that Dollar General. Just They brought out lawn chairs <laughs> and we're just hanging out. My Nana was and telling I'll, me I'll that she had to see the chopper, right? Right. Yeah. He didn't even drive yeah. through. He just, <laughs> yeah. So people, I don't know. Do you remember? It was kind of annoying. Were you there the year that, uh, was it George W. was coming through Keene on old Betsy? I don't recall. I remember standing out there with our friend Sarah Osborne. Osborne? Yes. What, Sarah Miller now? Yes. Yes. Um, I remember standing out there with her and Casey, uh, the RTF guy. Okay. Um, I don't remember. I think it was like a wounded warrior thing or something of that effect. But So I was picturing that whenever I saw these people <laughs> lining old Betsy yeah. for Trump. And then I realized that the chopper just went over for like yeah. a split second. Just a waste of time. You know, just hindered, hindered my ride home. But outside of the... So here's my question. Outside of the uh, outside of the Adventist community, there, I assume that it's pretty red. You know, it's like it's Johnson County. It's more rural Texas. It's a bunch of gun-toting, you know, uh, pro-life, Christian-based type people. That it's Trump country there. What is has has the Adventist uh, faith like? from the sermons that you've picked up or anything that you've been around. I know that you don't go to church every week, but you're definitely involved with all of this stuff yeah. much more so than I am at this point. Um, have they adopted the overall evangelical tradition at this point of like, 
just blindly apologizing for the president and like have you ever it, it's it feels more um passive aggressive like you know just being like you know we've been called here to love everyone which i totally agree with um the sentiments that they're saying but they i feel like a lot of times they do beat around the bush because they don't want to you know just take a political stand while they're up on the pulpit or anything so it's like just that. a bunch of like muted language like in this time of de, uh you know dis- divisiveness we need to unite yeah and i mean a lot of it a lot of it is like jesus that. should be president <laughs> um yeah and i feel like if like i'm close with several pastors um around the area and i feel like if you talk with them one-on-one they'll be a little bit more candid but you know they, they don't want to get into battle on politics while, while they're up there. And I, I don't necessarily blame them for that. Um, but yeah, it, de- it definitely seems to be watered down, I guess. Interesting. Uh, there's no separation of church and state happening over at First Baptist Dallas. Is that um, right? Yeah. We're always talking about Dallas making national news there. So there's a Joel Osteen in Dallas, first of all, mm-hmm. Robert Jeffers or Jeffries. Okay. Um, He's the the head dude over at First Baptist Dallas, and he's got billboards. He's got TV ads. He's always praying over the president in the Oval Office um, and, you know, on his prayer committee. And I think he was on his uh, he was he was charged with doing something with the um, whatever the committee is where you transition from like civilian life to being first family. Um, I can't remember what that's called. But anyway. He's been involved in just like this huge apologist for Trump and like going on Fox News and like preaching about it from the front. Like I hear a lot of these big mega churches have been like, you need to get out there and like vote Trump, vote red, do all of this and like been very political. Yeah. And I mean, he's he's made no qualms about who he supports. And a lot of them are comparing Trump to Cyrus, not even David Cyrus. Interesting. In that. uh, And somebody had to refresh me on this the other day. Um. I don't remember which Christian I was talking to if it wasn't you, <laughs> but yeah. uh, somebody was telling me that Cyrus is the vessel. Okay. Uh, I, I guess the biblical character is used as a vessel for God's will. Mm-hmm. And so it's like he can take on whatever form, like, you know, he's an imperfect vessel, but he gets yeah. the job done. And that's how they were viewing uh, Trump. And just also that he was kind of like David and that he was a very, you know, flawed person, but could be highly impactful for, I mean, if you're an evangelical Christian and you're pro-life and you don't want welfare and you, I mean, you're just bleeding red, you know, mm-hmm. Republican Trump has been your savior. He's got two Supreme court picks at this point. Right. And they're young. And like, he knows that's the game that they are playing all of this other stuff. They'll put up with, you know, like <laughs> the stormy Daniels mm-hmm. and um, failures and, you know, the language and, right. Um, just everything that goes on, uh, they'll put up with all of that just because they think that the sanctity of life and, you know, their personal values are going to be reflected in the next generations of America. Hmm. And meanwhile, the Democrats think that climate change is going to wipe everybody out in 12 to 20 years anyway. And like the future generations, moral fabric won't matter. Save the turtles, baby. Get rid of those straws. So that's. So you don't have a whole lot of insight for me there then. Well, um, I'm just kind of processing what you said. Like I No, I'm I've, I'm asking about my original question. Like I've because I had lunch with a group of a big group of Adventists at my parents' house mm-hmm. um one Saturday uh back in 2016 and 
we were kind of all having a very spirited debate about this because there were some like very liberal people in the room that day um, that were definitely like never Trumpers, you know, yeah. screw that, blah, blah, blah. But even I found the traditional Adventists, like the ones that are a little bit more like, you know, let's call a spade a spade, like a stay at home mom, a breadwinning dad, 2.5 kids, traditional values. Yeah. They were kind of, they were more wafting. I don't mm-hmm. think they were giving us their full opinion, <laughs> honestly. Uh, but I very much pointed out like, hey, if you believe that like Jesus died for your sins and, you know, is coming back again to save you, it seems like the popular thing to do is get on this Trump train right now. And I, it didn't seem like it had the same, um, it, it didn't have the same effect on Adventists as it did on other Protestants. Yeah, I mean. And I could be wrong about that because. Dude, I, I, I think it's more like depending on the generation we're talking about, I feel like the, you know, our parents and the older generation are still like very conservative. Meanwhile, kids younger than myself, like I feel like I'm pretty moderate and the kids younger than me are very, um, you know, left wing. Um, and, and that's just been my ob- observation in the church as well. just how, I don't know. Like Trump has like all the Republican values, you know, pro-life, all that and everything. On paper, let's clarify. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> On paper. Um, meanwhile, you know, you have a bunch of kids and they're just like, okay, but, you know, what would Jesus do? And it's like, you know, we're not Jesus and we're imperfect <laughs> and everything. Um, but they're still confused as to why it's like, well, why would people stand up to him whenever, you know, he feels how he does about people on the border? Like when, you know, whenever... You know, if you're talking about uh, Christian standards, it's like, you know, we should be sheltering people and taking them in, um, even if it means um, that we that we could be hurt in the process. And um, that that's just been generally what, what I've heard from my peers or people around me. Yeah, I think it's definitely a generational thing, uh, not only in our church, but in most faiths, you know, um, in most groups. I think to a certain extent, like uh, I talked to some people and it's just, if you're 70 plus, you guaranteed voted for Trump, it seems right. like. Um, but, you know, spoiler alert, I I think at this rate, like he definitely gets reelected 100%. Yeah. I mean, we were just talking a couple of weeks ago about um, impeachment and everything. But th- at this point, there's no way there's no way that's going to happen. Like, I I think it's happening. I just don't know if it mat. Like, no, well, that's not really saying. Every day, there's like explosive testimony from this person that oh, the oh, he's done. Like CNN yeah. has it, and then I flip over to Fox because I, I like to watch them all, and it, it's just uh, it, we have two different stories going on in the country, and ultimately, we're America is definitely past impeaching presidents for like getting sexual favors uh, or having, you know, an extramarital affair. And I think that's good because, you know, that's none of our business, you know? And frankly, didn't somebody just step down? Yes. And this is an interesting kind of like, I heard a a funny take on this. Um, I think it was actually on Rogan. Um, Katie Hill, I believe uh, representative out of California. She's a, a freshman representative. Uh, she just stepped down because apparently she has this husband or ex-husband. They were getting divorced or were already divorced. And he released photos of her having like illicit affairs with not only, I think, another man, but another woman. 
And I think one of them was a staffer of hers mm. or something of that effect. Uh, it, it was bad enough that she actually just resigned. But the kicker was that <laughs> she kept calling her husband, like releasing like the or talking about it and being upset and releasing the 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 video or the pictures or whatever. Yeah. Emotional abuse. Mm. And Rogan was like, maybe perhaps. That yeah. But act. if a woman was releasing anything about a man that was, you know, cheating on her with like both sexes, like yeah. nobody would bat an eye. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that's a double standard. And no doubt, I personally believe she should step down. But I also believe that. Why? Why? How did just because she likes men and women and doesn't like her husband right now? What does that have to do with her representation of California's whatever district? I mean, not. I'm not just playing devil's advocate here. Like, you know. So if the CEO of Boeing like messes up and has a one night stand behind his wife's back, should he step down? Yes. No way. Come on, get out of here. We'd have nobody left. <laughs> Industry would come have, to a halt. We'd have faithful people in those positions. All right. <laughs> and then I could trust them to handle business and make the right calls for everything else. Well, I mean, no. I mean, no, you shouldn't cheat on your spouse. However, if everybody that cheated on their spouse, like, stepped down from their position, you know, who would, who would mine? Who would grow the food? Like, what would we do? You make a good point. Okay. So... Going back to Katie Hill, you do think that she should resign. I just think that, I mean, typically that's what's happened in the past. But, okay, even if she doesn't, I still think there's a double standard on how women are perceived and then how men are perceived. And, like, people are completely bashing her. But like you said, people oh, are really bad at night. So scratch what I said about her resigning. But I still think she should be treated just like, you know, if this w would have been a male doing it. Right. And I feel like that's the spirit that I'm trying to harness, which is who cares? Like, you know, go see her naked pics if you want to and, you know, get back to representing us in the meantime, you know? Yeah. Um, I think she was, I think she was a Democrat. Um, I don't have all the details on this, but it's kind of funny. It's a big old spectacle. And the minute I saw that she stepped down, I was like, oh, you shouldn't have stepped down. Like mm -hmm. you could have just it would have been gone by next Monday. Yeah, there would have been an, another you know? scandal by then. Yeah, I mean, do you remember the Virginia governor who wore blackface? Like, who knows how many I, times? Yeah, I, I had forgotten <laughs> like, until I you brought it I can't remember if that's the photo of me wearing blackface there or, or there or yeah. in both. <laughs> yeah, which, which time was this? I mean, Trudeau, he's going to be just fine. He wore blackface apparently routinely. <laughs> right. Um, he did that. Uh, the Virginia governor... I, the thing I don't know about, you remember the Virginia lieutenant governor who was being brought up on rape charges mm. as it was like their entire infrastructure of like next chain of command was falling apart. Yeah. Um, but I think they both weathered the storm. So I would not be surprised. Dude, if you've learned anything from the age of Trump, it's like, you know, don't bat an eye. Say, yeah, those are my naked photos. Yeah. What do you think about them? And you don't need to on? sweep it under the rug. Yeah. You just cover it up with another scandal. What does it have to do with the, how I'm doing my job today? She should have been like, yeah, but look at our economy. <laughs> True. <laughs> I'm providing website traffic spikes all over the country due to my naked photos. It's good for business. Mercy. <laughs> I, I don't think she should have resigned. And I, I do think that the onslaught that she was receiving was probably far worse than you know, what a man might have received, Yeah, you know? Yeah. You've had me change my stance on it a little. 
Oh, I for think, sure. I think I was just going as like, well, that's not something that I would do. Like, you know, I form my own opinions too, just like everyone else. And, but yeah, I, I get the point that you're trying to make. Yeah. I, it I really doesn't have anything to do with me. Um, and for all we know, like she could have had an arrangement set up with, if she's married, but she's also, you know, going back and forth or something, she might've had a prior arrangement. Like we really should not judge other people's lifestyles. Um, and think that it has everything to do with their work. I mean, by the same token, like, can a gay person be president? You know, like, yeah, of course they can. But I actually heard, uh, I don't know if, I guess it was Bill Maher or somebody the other day, or no, it might've been Rogan again. They were talking about Buttigieg and I don't like the way that Rogan, he's funny. He, he like really has <laughs> bashed a lot of the Democrats uh, and rightfully so, but I'm much more, positive on Pete Buttigieg myself. I actually like him a lot. Um, and basically they were saying though, that whenever a representative group gets up into a, a position of power or notoriety, like hate groups or hate acts against that group go up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in the same way that they felt like maybe Obama, you know, the election of, you know, our first black president in America, would just heal all race relations. Some people think that it inflamed them because it brought the people that were more bigoted out of the mm -hmm. woodworks. And they're saying that the same thing could happen for homophobic people. And it kind of struck me. I was like, I, I forgot that that was kind of a thing, right, you yeah. know, because it's become more of the norm. I, I forget. And I was raised very conservatively where, you know, I didn't know a great number of like open homosexual people around me by yeah. any means. Now, you know, I live in the neighborhood of Dallas for crying out loud. Like it's a way of life over here. <laughs> Not for me, but <laughs> for uh, many of my neighbors who, you know, it's, it's fun though. Like I love seeing, uh, sometimes I, <laughs> my friend will say, Oh, he's a guy today. <laughs> Cause we have this fabulous drag queen that lives upstairs, like competes at all the, the gay bars over there. And, so yeah, the the idea of homophobia was almost foreign to me. Right. I, I you have to go out to the uh, Westboro. Yeah. Westboro. Like, oh yeah, there are people still angry about that. Like, do you see that the Westboro daughter got converted? Like, no. She uh she got on social media, and people talked her over to like the good side, and now she's on a, like a media tour or something like talking about her time in that you know, cult essential. Interesting. I mean, yeah. it's, everything is a cult, but well, wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't done a whole lot of research on it, but um, I think she's like the daughter of the main pastor or something like that. Hmm. Might be worth checking out. Yeah. A lot of times religion and these like perceived race wars and a lot of this stuff seem to go hand in hand. It's uh, I don't know. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I yeah, I'd be interested to check that out. Um, just to see kind of her her story on that. Yeah, but anyway, Katie Hill should have stayed in. Um, I think that I think that uh, Al Franken should have stayed in. You know. Yeah. I think uh, Bill Maher has made that point many times that you know he was a good, otherwise good senator that made a couple of gaffes that he thought were going to be funny and ended up not being funny. Um, not excusing his behavior by any means, but at the same time, he's a pretty thoughtful stand-up dude and. I think at that time they were the Democrats were just trying to prove, you know, that there were no bad apples on their side. And so that they could enforce like all the resignations on the Republican side is like, you know, people were cratering there. Mm. But this all goes back. Did I tell you about that doc? I watched uh, the family. Uh, I think you brought it up maybe during our first or second. Yeah, I think I 
I think I talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but um, some of the guys that we're talking about right now, like Republican governors or whoever that have been unfaithful to their spouse, uh, they were a part of that, that family, like the family and those people. It's really, I have to snap myself back to this mindset because I haven't been to like a Bible camp or men's retreat or any of this stuff in a number of years. It's not really been as active a part of my life. I've tried to take a more holistic view for myself and, you know, find peace where I may. (laughs) Um, (laughs) How's that work? (laughs) Yeah, great. (laughs) Great, folks. (laughs) No, but I forget whenever I'm looking at that doc, like the concept of forgiveness and any sin that separates you from the glory, like all sin is sin and God doesn't weight it. Right. Like we like do it's all equal. Yeah. It all separates us. So I can't really come down on your pedophilia or your unfaithfulness to your wife. It, we need to devote it to prayer. Yeah. I mean, how, how do you function in a normal society? If like you're employing that spirit a hundred percent of the time, that would be very difficult. Like, I, I don't necessarily have an answer for it. Like, again, you go back to what I tell my students in the classroom, you know, anytime that they have it, well, this person's messed up. And it's like, well, our job is to love everyone. Like, obviously, if somebody's harming you, you know, you get out of that. But our job is our job as a Christian is to love everyone. And it's going to be God's job to judge them. Like, if you believe in heaven, it, you know, we don't decide who gets into heaven. Like that's God's job. And so we just try to point people to him and treat them as best as we can. And, uh, yeah, I, I feel like that is a beautiful sentiment. It is. It is beautiful, it, but it, it's, it's much easier said than done. It, it ends up, it ends up facilitating this sense that, Everybody is on this bus for the entire ride and your option to be selective in your own life and your own personal life as to who you let in as to who you get close to when everything is a witnessing opportunity or everything is like spreading the gospel and the word Mm -hmm. of the word of Christ, you know, as these people do, you know, I mean, you're entertaining the bum that's yelling at you on the the street corner. uh, But I'm not suggesting like be preachy to everybody either. Like you can, but even being accepting and loving is not always appropriate. Like get, no. in certain situations, you're it, absolutely more right. than anything. I think the point that I'm arguing is that it's not always productive. Like, you know, but you can be loving to someone and still like tell them like you are wrong or like, I'm not going to be around you because of this. And I feel like you're also doing that out of love. Like you can cut people off from your life and you can do that because you love someone and like you care about them, but you also love yourself and care about yourself and know that that's going to harm your life. Yeah, you're right. You're such a man of wisdom. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, like trying to impress upon children and all people, uh, like a general framework of beliefs that you can refer to, to remind yourself, like, I've been hearing this interesting thread on some of the more kind of deep podcasts that I listen to of, you know, our, our memories and what we see and what we think about ourselves, like it forms this whole foundation that may or may not be relevant. Like, because you went to school and became an English teacher, you are an English teacher and you like, you remind yourself of this apparatus of values, of beliefs and 
you you look at the crowd and how they look at you for affirmation as to the the you know the semblance of a structure you've put around your identity yes and your ego is like surrounding that like an atmosphere and when you just strip all of that away and it's like why well, yeah we all went to school like mm-hmm. you do this i do that like yeah. i don't know it's just a fascinating concept and i think with meditation you can kind of have brief nuggets of that like really cutting through the noise and strip away that you went to school or like mainly if you're like contemplating some big decision or a problem or something like that like what is the path of least resistance that's most impactful mm. you know but that's this is interesting that you know your students are coming to you with a lot of deep stuff i don't Dude. know if it's because you're like this far into the school year and you've established this rapport where they're like oh yeah i'm gonna text mr brad after school right yeah no i mean i feel like that's it i, I don't like i mean i like i said i go to all of their soccer games i go to after school events like I have students that have come in and help like paint and decorate my classroom. And I spend time with them there. I've taken, you know, some that are struggling like out to lunch and I don't do that. So, you know, they do confide in me, but that's just like a result of it because I I am trying to practice what I preach and like love them and um, just show them that somebody cares. And so, yeah, I mean, and I don't, that's not something that I take lightly. So I I definitely agree with you. Sometimes we do have to kind of cut down, and like strip away all the noise and everything and just realize that it's like, yeah, I am just a guy like just trying to figure it out like the rest of us. And all I can do is really give my opinion on it. And hopefully that gives you um, some comfort or I don't know, helps you see things from a different perspective. Um, But yeah, I, I don't have all the answers. I just try to be there for them. Like, I think there's something to be said about just being present for them rather than having the right answer. Um, a lot of them just confide in me and uh, come to me with their issues because they know I'm going to listen to them. Like sometimes they just need to get it off their chest. For sure. And I mean, listening to you, man, like it almost makes me wish that I could just like rinse, lather, repeat, like go back through the the system of, you know, indoctrination <laughs> um, from fetus to like, if you'd been a teacher, I think it's interesting to see the religious teachers, uh, you know, in the internet era, because a lot of my grade school was like pre-internet, you know, like, yeah. Um, what, what difference does you, do you think that makes? Um, well, so first of all, just the abundance of information that we all have, I think leads us all to suspect, um, not everything that we've ever been told is true. <laughs> yeah. I think looking back, I've pinpointed a lot of spots in my childhood where, the inquisitive child or maybe the child that was bouncing off the walls or that, you know, asked the hard question, you know, if, if Sabbath school or Sunday school or whatever you attend, if that's wrapping up and that little kid is asking a hard Mm -hmm. question that, you know, is meant for a theologian or something. It's like, it's time for potluck. It's time for potluck. We got to get out of here. Second service is starting. Yeah. And I feel like with something as precious as what's being claimed at stake here, which is your salvation, like eternal life, it seems like, very flippant like Mm -hmm. hope you got the message hope it resonated kid because see you next week they used to say if you witness to somebody and they don't accept the message it's like tying a millstone around their neck and then walking into the ocean and so whenever we used to have those evangelistic series uh when i was a kid we would go this sounds so cultish when i say it out loud but we'd go to door door to door with flyers and like hey 
come out to the evangelistic series and we're going to tell you about the seven headed monster and all this different <laughs> stuff from revelation. And it's going to be super uplifting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I remember thinking at many points, I'm like, why am I advertising this? Because nobody's going to believe this. This right. is crazy. And I'm damning them all to hell. Mm. Like I literally was like, I need to keep mum about this so that more people can, because we yeah. also had the belief that, that they're going to be judged on what based they on know. what they know. So if it's you like, don't know anything, why would you tell them? Why would I bring it up? Yeah, seriously, I struggled. I was like, this is all backwards, and I, that's yeah, that's a terrible thing to teach. And and parents that are raising children in a religious environment, I, they don't differentiate. Okay, this is the religious doctrine speaking. Like, here's the framework for doing this versus here's just the common sense here's the way to balance the checkbook here's the way to do things like when you're raised in a religious environment you think jesus wants you to balance the checkbook that way like yeah. it pervades everything and so i think the delineation of like like factors in a situation or what to take into account is sometimes um attributed to the wrong things right right um but yeah i i used to struggle with that a lot and i still think that I had a friend, uh, I had a conversation with a friend the other day. Um, I actually have it here on my show notes that he and I had a call last week. And uh, that's meaningful because when he goes home, I can't call him because right. there's no cell towers around. Like he lives out in the boondocks. Oh my. And um, he is, I mean, his dad was a pastor. I think he's a pastor. I think they go to like one of those 30 person churches type deal, Got like it. out in a, a cabin type deal. Yeah. And, five kids a piece, that type of deal. Mm -hmm. And I love this guy. Grew up with this guy. He's one of my closest, oldest friends. Uh, and we do not see eye to eye on matters of religion and, and a lot of this stuff because he is not one of those, you're judged based on what you know people. He thinks the people that didn't hear about it, oh, well. well and I was like, that is the most hideous thing bleak. I've ever heard. And he yeah. was like, well, he said, Based upon your premise, what you're saying is that salvation is a right, not a gift. And because I was thinking, okay, if you create a world and you create people in the world, every person should have equal access and opportunity to the message that will inevitably save them, right? Yes. What he's saying is, hey, if you didn't hear about the invitation to the yeah. party, have fun burning yeah, forever. Tough luck, yeah. And I was like, in what world? Yeah. In no. what world? And then I'm arguing for like, I'm arguing for a layer of religion that I don't even necessarily agree with anymore. Like, I don't yeah. know if I believe or understand the the concept as a whole. Like, right. I think maybe it, it's white people's interpretation of, you know, ancient manuscripts. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, there's great speculation that the burning bush could have been a psychedelic mushroom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of like science and, different things that can explain phenomena that was often attributed to some sort of religious, you know, it was a God coming down, you know, that God put the bush on fire or God created the the major flood. And we've discussed that type of thing where, right. you know, if you're in hurricane Harvey, it feels like a global flood. If you've never been in a boat before, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you don't I'm, struggle with any of that. No, of, of course I do. But, I know it might seem like a cop out, but you, you know, they say you like have faith. And so I've gone through my doubts and everything. And there are times whenever I still doubt. However, I, I go back to like, 
I've looked at everything and I personally would like to believe that there is a God just because of certain things that I've seen in my life, like certain outcomes that have happened that maybe it only happened because I spoke it into existence or maybe somebody answered my prayer, like, but just based off of what has happened to me and all the things that I've been through, I choose to believe that there's a God. Um, but going back to like your friend who says, Oh, well too bad. They didn't know about him. Like, what I tell my kids, because I, I mean, I've had students that have asked that question, like, well, what about the people that were never taught about God? It's like, well, God still knows your heart. And so regardless of them knowing his name or anything, like he knows your intentions. So if you were always trying to, you know, help out or do good, like two people can do the same action, but with different intents. And so it's like, were you trying to be self-serving or were you actually trying to serve others? And I think as long as you're trying to help and serve others, like regardless of you knowing God's name, if you believe in him, like uh, that will be enough for him in, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just so interesting because I remember sitting in church as a child and thinking, well, how miraculous that I don't have to bother with getting to the message. I was born into it. Like, thank God that not only am I, you know, where I am, but I've been given the truth. And even all of these other people with the the almost same similar <laughs> truth, even they're wrong, man. Like, we've got this. Like, they're all, you know, I'm I'm in the first band of clouds around Jesus whenever he comes back as a, a seventh Adventist Christian, yeah. but a Baptist, uh, they're, they're trying, they're getting there, yeah. but you know, and that, I remember feeling that sense of relief in some ways. And sometimes I think that religion done right is just a great self-esteem layer to put on a yeah. delusional kid. Um, but I just wonder, I really want to know, it's not enough for me to think, Oh, this framework gives me peace. Whatever happens, happens. Like I want to know, what happens for real? Like, I want to know what's going on. Yeah, and so but you may not get that answer. I'm definitely not going to get that answer, but it, it, that's why it's exciting. Whenever Trump is elected president and the world's ending and like <laughs> Katie Hill is resigning and we're sending Elon Musk to Mars and, you know, UFOs and Bob Lazar and like, you know, the intelligent life. And right. I, that's why all that is so exciting because it's like, you know, Every time there's a conspiracy theory like that, like new life found on, you know, maybe Mars is habitable or whatever is yeah. going on. I think it's like, ooh, maybe something conclusive to believe in or to form a structure of belief around. So it's just an innate human thing to be like, <laughs> I guess, what, what happens after this? Like, right. what's going on? And I, I don't necessarily care what it is. I want to know what it like. I'm excited about the journey of trying to find it because if you look at humanity, we're going to something like yeah. if you look at the history of humanity, how were we, you know, in a thousand AD, you know, we're in big castles and war in each other and Genghis Khan or whatever's happening. And then <laughs> 800 years later, you know, we're still firing muskets in wood houses and a, a mere 200 years later, we're like, we've left the world. Yeah. We we left Earth. Does anything still apply? Like we left where we were supposed to be. We've expanded the 
the the bounds of what is our environment of where we can exist and it makes you wonder did we always exist elsewhere are we replicas of something else are we i yeah i mean we could go deep with that I, but i mean we could i like i don't have an ans- i don't have an answer for it like I, I that's an interesting thought um but i still feel like all of the like from my beliefs, I feel like all of this happening doesn't negate like the possibility that God exists. Oh no. I think that there's a lot of supporting evidence for that. Right. Um, and I think that, I think one of the hangups that I typically have when people make statements is like, I'm like, which God, like yeah. the one that, you know, the one that you know everything about and you know, his name and his son and his Holy spirit and all, or are we talking about whatever this is? Because whatever it is, it's the God, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's a more advanced civilization where the avatar is for or something, it's, right. it's God-like to us. Um, it, it doesn't have to be this, like, white guy with long hair with oh, yeah, holes no. through his hands for it to be the God that did this. I think that maybe, maybe that has something to do with this, or maybe yeah. that's... I mean, if you look at several different religions, like, they all have many similar stories like you know they have different names for god um but a lot of you know the the garden of eden the flood you know different instances like that a lot of the stories uh can be pretty similar and it's just that we call god by a different name like i know that we grew up in seventh day adventism and so we you know seventh day adventists believe that they have the right message but they're not going to be the only denomination in heaven. So, I mean, there's going to, unfortunately, there's going to be like several people shocked or, you know, several Adventists shocked whenever they realize that they're not the only people there. Uh, and, maybe those are the ones not getting in. <laughs> I mean, that there's, yeah, they're going to be shocked about that too, because, you know, they cared more about, that goes back to being self-righteous. Like they cared more about being right than actually caring for the people that they were trying to convince. Yeah, I think it's a... Uh... I think it's a generational uptight thing because if I look at if I look at what my grandparents had to go through and the appearances that they had to keep up versus what my parents had to do versus what my sister and I are now having to do versus you know any offspring that we were to have in the future, which you know, good luck. Yeah, <laughs> um, it, it's all it's an evolution, and I don't know. Having been raised with such you know, firm beliefs and stuff. I, it's such a craving in so many ways to be able to identify with something and say, I believe in this and I know I'm saved in the blood and all of this stuff. But whenever I've said that stuff, it's just been, it's left me feeling very hollow. Like my baptism day was like the worst day of my life. Mm. Like I was 12 years old and I just felt like I was coming down with the flu because I just felt like they all know I'm a fake. I didn't come out of the water feeling brand new. Yeah. Like I hadn't done enough sinning yet to feel <laughs> renewed, you know, but whoever made you feel like whoever gave you the idea that that's what baptism was supposed to do for you completely failed. Like, cause that's not the point of baptism. But it was all the testimonials. It was all the people I came out of that water and I was a brand new person. Oh, no. And but, I was like, Oh, that's going to be my, because all you have as a child is looking at is consuming what's in front of you, be it TV yeah. or real life. And, those are the experiences always shared in church. You yeah, know, I was delivered ba- from this. Yeah, but baptism is there for you to say that, like, you publicly accept Jesus and that you understand that he's the one that took care of your sins. It's not that 
like all of a sudden you're going to be a perfect person. It's just something no, that absolutely. somebody died for you. Right. But I think in that moment, I was just like, oh, man. I remember that day I was like, I don't even believe this. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I told the pastor in my baptismal classes, I was like, dude, I feel like I'm the person that is completely adept at selling you all of this. And at the same time, not I could believe not believe a word of it. Yeah. So, and he was like, that's, that's fine. That's, <laughs> that shows that you're, uh, you know, I don't know. You're, you're piercing. You're, <laughs> yeah. You were another, uh, statistic, <laughs> you know, you, like, a lot of times pastors or churches just try to, you know, say, oh, we were able to baptize this many people this month. And I think sometimes it's Dude, just like you're another number. That, you know? That's how I really lost my faith <laughs> as I came of age was that I was actually the social VP of my youth group in church. And I remember thinking like, man, this has nothing to do with the Lord. This has everything to do with like, how many girls am I getting on the ice skating rink this weekend? <laughs> like I judged to success in numbers and like, you know candid pics of everybody, you know, going to the bowling alley or whatever it was like, I realized that I could organize, bring a bunch of people to a common place, do it in the Lord's name, but receive all of kind of the glory and the, per like yeah. the, the social perks and come ups from being that person, being that activator. And once I started thinking about things and like realizing it was a business and you know, this church does better business, like they get more right. tied because they put on a better show. And in a better location with better amenities, they have a better coffee bar, like the competition for church. And it's, then it is a business. And then I saw the cyclical nature of people that cycle in and out like, oh, I just got divorced. I just kicked drugs. I just got pregnant out of wedlock. And, you know, it's time for me to quit partying in the garage, you know, yeah. every weekend and time to, to re up. Yeah. yeah. Time to re up on this goodness, you know, on my purity or whatever. Yeah. And I don't know that. <laughs> You see my winding experience where... No, I get it. And I really devoted myself to all of this. Like, I wanted to be a missionary at one point. Yep. And, you know, now in certain ways, it's like, it, it feels... I feel a little despondent, maybe is the word, mm -hmm. if that's a good word. Um, whenever one of my more conservative friends from childhood will hit me up and in a very genuine way say something like, well, have you devoted it to prayer or like... Uh, just something like, are you an active member of a church family? And it's like, it's like a foreign world. So I'm like, yeah. sometimes I laugh and I'm like, oh, wow, this, oh, what do I even say? You know, like, because I feel like I'm on a, I'm on a morality maturity curve. Like the more mature I get, the more moral, the more long-term moral I get. Yeah. Because it's advantageous to me. It's what's mm -hmm. best for humanity well, it's it, the best way to go and that's how i feel like let's say i'm wrong i i still feel like christianity and adventism has made me who i am and like made me a good person like i'm because i'm trying to do it right now do some people use christianity um for power or you know to to make themselves feel good like is do they do it for selfish reasons sure um but i feel like overall it's it's helped me it's helped base all like it's laid down the foundation for my morals and i feel like i'm a you know generally good person like so i wouldn't change who i am and i am the way that i am because of christianity i i think yeah it's really weird because like culturally it's almost like judaism it's like are you a are you a, a jewish jew like are you 
uh, of, of birth and uh, religion, right. you know, like um, nationality and religion. I feel like SDA is kind of the same way, um, not not to trivialize the, the Jewish faith at all, but, you know, I'm SDA in that I was born that way. I grew up that way. Like, it's a culture, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's like there are certain jokes that you could say that only I and our Adventist, you know, listeners or former Adventist listeners would get. Right. And I love that, actually. Like, mm-hmm. that's been the pervading thing that I look back on, you know, my childhood with a lot of fondness is that, uh, you know, the Adventist faith was people filled, family filled, like fun filled activities, getting out in nature, a lot of, you know, kids your age running around pathfinders or adventures or whatever's going on. Like, I loved all of that. Yeah. Like, I, I think it it was not an uptight. It was uptight at times. But it was also very like loving and um, just the way they wouldn't let a stranger leave the building without somebody taking them home for a meal. Right. Like, my church, we literally had teams of people where there would be a meal every mm-hmm. single weekend because you didn't let a new person or a straggler. Yeah. Um, but then I saw people lose their faith because the same, you know, buttholes would come to the, every <laughs> meal and eat it for free. And they, yeah. were, they were members. They'd gone through the prayer request line. Right. like. You just know. taking advantage of it. Yeah. yeah. Taking advantage of prayer request time and the lunch. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, why do the same four people have verbal prayer requests? They have a new mm-hmm. lump that they found every single <laughs> week. Like yeah. that used to be my joke. I'm like, can we yeah. not find a lump this week? Right. You know, like maybe if you devoted less time to prayer and more time to the treadmill, there wouldn't be a lump Oof. like that. Literally. But that's, I'm, I'm relaying. I don't feel bad about that. That was my journey. That's how I thought about things. And like, you know, I am who I am. I don't know. Yeah. I, it's not like I set out to become angry or, no, you know, no. uh, cr- you know, uh, f- create friction with their prayer request or what. I just remember thinking like, they're not, they're not living their best life. And they're like, they're directing some of this in the wrong, you know, God meets those who meet him halfway was always what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot, yeah, a lot of people try to pray for all these issues without like actually taking action and, and, you know, trying to figure it out on their own or, or, you know, take care of these problems. Like I think there's a definite issue with that. At the same time, I have to just realize what a position of superior strength and uh, just the natural bed of self-esteem that I was plopped into from birth, where it was just like, here's this amazing family, amazing extended family. Nobody's ever going to do anything. You know, no, no uncle's going to touch you. (laughs) Like nothing bad is going to, you're going to look up to all of these people. You know, you're going to have a lot of accomplished people around you that are invested in your future. That's not everybody's plight. So thank God that (laughs) there's churches and synagogues and mosques and things like that for, for people like that. Um, it's just a shame when it it's weaponized to either hurt people verbally or, you know, in more extreme cases, you know, like the Muslim, you know, usurpation that is ISIS, for instance. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, and I don't want to sound passive or just like going back to whenever I said, you know, it's our job just to love everybody. Like, just be a good person. Like, we're not like not one person is going to change the world, but you can change like one life around you. And if enough people do that collectively, you can change the world. Like maybe that's just me being optimistic or naive or whatever, but you, I feel like if enough people do it, you can definitely make a difference. And that's why I value like my Christian beliefs. Like whenever it's done right, 
and not self-serving or trying to make somebody feel bad or guilt them into believing something, um, I, I feel like it makes a positive impact. Yeah, be the change that you want to see in the world. That's right, baby. All right, man, let's get into just a couple little quick current events stories, and then we'll get out of here. All right. Weekly catch up. So I'm looking at my Facebook feed, and it looks like the Novitsky Street went up. Um, American yes. Airlines Center just posted, congrats to Dirk Novitsky on this honor. We are so happy to have you and your le- legacy memorialized outside. Of- okay, so it's the street right in front of the AAC. Mm. That's cool. There's a picture of him on like a... <laughs> on like a platform, one of those extender platforms up. And that is so cool. Yeah, they unveiled it. Nowitzki Way. We've got a lot of good vanity plate street names down there, like El Phoenix Way now. Yeah. is right by the AAC and now Nowitzki. Um, That's great. And the Mavs have been pretty fun to watch. Are we into the regular season? Yes. Um, I'm only good for NFL and golf. I believe so. we're three and one now. Really? Yeah, it's been great. And uh, some of our starters didn't perform very well yesterday, but I believe we had like at least eight uh, players off the bench to score 10 plus points, which is awesome. Like, wow. To, yeah, <laughs> we got a sixth, seventh and eighth, That's man. What I'm saying like it's, it's just it's going to be a really fun season to watch. Don't we have um, don't we have the next iteration of German or Eastern European? Yeah, um, we got Luca and um, Zingas. Wh- where are they from? Don't get me lying. Okay. Um, I, I just saw so much teasing like on billboards of like playing Dirk out and putting like fading Luca into the picture. So I didn't yeah. know if they were common German heritage or, or what was happening there. No, but, I don't believe Luca's German. Man, you really have to think like Dirk put the city on his back. Like yes. remember all those struggling years in the 80s and 90s or whatever. And then he comes in, plays what, 15, 20 years for us. And we forget like he totally won a championship oh, for yeah. us. Like. Um, Luca is from Slovenia, Slovenia. Okay. Interesting. Um, well, that's cool. Congrats to Dirk. Uh, yes, awesome gig. Well with, is Rick Carlisle still our coach? <laughs> um, is Jim Carrey still our coach? <laughs> the Grinch. Right. <laughs> he looks, uh, he looks so much like Jim Carrey. Um, and then, uh, I have a couple more NBA questions. Yeah, actually. Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle. Okay. Um, did, uh, KD go to the Brooklyn Nets? Um, I think he did. I think so as well. And yes. Russell Westbrook went to the Rockets. Mm-hmm. He's now with James Harden. That is true. I th- is James Harden a point guard? Yeah. Aren't they both point guards? Yeah, so I don't know how I don't know who's gonna play what. Well, that's your assignment for Yeah, I'm just now getting back into... Are you a basketball guy? Can you you be our basketball correspondent for weekly catch-up? Yeah, I I can start getting back into it. Um, I actually haven't watched since... So we won the 2011 championship. (laughs) (laughs) No, listen. Coming to you live eight years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I watched the season after that, and I'm like, well, this is a bust. Like, we're not going to have a... You're like, you remember that great season where we won? So the next season I watched. (laughs) Yeah, and it was a bust. And so I just kind of, you know, life happened. And, you know, I was in college, and I started my career. Then I was in Maryland for two years and was keeping up with... Wow, hockey. You were just digging up an excuse eight years in the making. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, well, I moved Listen, like four man, years ago. And all I'm right. Not, I'm not saying I'm a bandwagon fan, but I we, do I do like to watch us win. <laughs> we don't have to cover basketball on this show, but if you want to be the correspondent, you can be because I got golf and my boy 
Tiger Woods won the oh. Zozo Championship in Japan. There we go. Early on a Japanese Monday morning. Uh, it was completely rained out. Second round was completely rained out. Mm. But really cool to see this tournament getting like really world class caliber players. It was really cool because so Tiger is going for his 82nd PGA Tour victory. Right. right? Sam Sneed, uh, who's a legendary golfer, he had 82 victories and it took him like 460 attempts or something like that. Okay. It's taken Tiger like 300 and change. So think about that. Like, basically, what we're saying is that one out of every five tournaments that he's played, he's, he's won, won in his career, Yeah, which is ridiculous. Like, Tiger was the last person. Uh, you remember, I don't know if you've ever been out to the Byron Nelson with me. Nope. Um, but Byron is a great example of, like, how golf used to be, where, like, when people would go on a run, I think Byron won 11 championships straight one time. Man. Um, and 18 for the year or something just something crazy. Yeah. Um, but Tiger was the last one that had won like eight out of the last 10 weeks or whatever. But now he's won three times in the last 13 months. He's a monster. So he's I'm just otherworldly. Other it's doing amazing things for for our game and having the youngsters from OSU on the tour too, like Matthew Wolf and um, Victor Hovland. He's he's such a cutie pie. I love Victor Hovland. He's from Norway. Um, dude, like an hour. What? two hours north of here is still water. Yeah. OSU has like the best golf program in the world. It's yeah. like on par or better than I think Stanford was always pretty hallowed. I think that's where tiger went. Mm. Um, but yeah, man, um, shout out to tiger. I'm just super excited to see him back and dominant because I mean, he, have I ever told you the story about, um, I used to go to the Byron Nelson being in a real estate family all the time. Okay. No, and I haven't heard. So my dad would like get us passes to stay at the four seasons out there. And like, we'd get to go have like these 18th green villa passes where we're like going through buffets and like sitting on the deck and it was legit. And I, I grew up going to both the Byron Nelson and the colonial here in the DFW Metroplex. And one year, one of my dad's best friends got paired up for every year they have the pro-am. So yeah. the day before the tournament starts, all the golfers, pair up with like a local real estate professional or somebody that's donated for the charitable cause or whatever. Right. Well, his friend got paired up with tiger in a random lottery. Oh, wow. And I was going to the pro-am, <laughs> which is like ultra access few, much fewer spectators on the course. And I got to follow tiger from as close as you and I are sitting at times for 18 holes. And I can smell Carson's cologne. So it's pretty gross. <laughs> but that was, I mean, that was a highlight. That was back when he was really just, you know, crushing it both on and off the course. Yikes. <laughs> but he was, he was so dominant back then and he didn't always play the Byron. Um, I, I don't know if it was the Byron or the colonial that he would skip, but um, for many years during my childhood, he was paid in excess of like a million dollars just to show up at this tournament overseas on the right. same weekend as one of those tournaments. Wow. But anyway, my, my idolhood, my idolatry, idolhood of Tiger yeah. Woods, whatever it is. Um, has gone back a long ways. So it's just yeah. super cool to see him back on top. And then it was a bye week for the Cowboys. So yeah. it was kind of a relief in some yeah. ways. Like, I mean, we came off of a nice win and, you know, hopefully we'll get it back. I believe we play on Monday. Oh yeah, that's right. So we have a Monday, Monday night football. Yeah. Um, have you followed world series at all? Uh, I watched a little bit of yesterday's game. Me too. Um, yeah, it looks like the Nationals took it. Yep. We're going to game seven, right? Game is seven. that is that tonight? 
Uh, it might be. I think it probably is. Yeah, we talked about baseball last time. You know, I'm not. I'm not either. But that being said, um, I did read. You know, Joe Buck. Yeah. So I read his book, Lucky Bastard. Okay. Um, I read it on my Europe trip, and so it was fun to hear him call the game and like there's something about the post like the world series in particular or the finals in NBA where I might not have watched a single frame all season, but you know, it's exciting to watch baseball in the world series for whatever reason. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Game seven is tonight. So we'll uh, be able to report back with the champions next week. Word up. Uh, go. Who are you rooting for? I feel like we, and on the one hand, Houston is close yeah, to Dallas, Texas, so it's like Texas. But, but they're also both, like the enemy, right? Like, we both lived in the DMV. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they are, the, again, I keep picturing them in the National League. Like, yeah. I forget that they're, I used to root for them Rangers, but yeah, so. forget them. Capitals. Although I am anxious to check out that new stadium next year. Oh, no doubt. Um, we'll have to have a, a podcast production crew outing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, then maybe by then I'll get into baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Doubtful. Yeah. What else you got, man? Oh, man, that seems to be about it for me. Heading to Austin this weekend, like I said, for my mom's birthday. Um, Happy not much birthday. else going on. Cool, and, man. Uh, Tomorrow's yeah. Halloween. And are you dressing up at school or is that nah. al- not allowed? Uh, I don't know if it's allowed or not. I'm I'm going to pass on it. Saturday was the big block party here in Dallas for all of that. Yeah, this year it felt like on a weird kind of day. Like I know some people went out last weekend. Some are planning to go out this weekend. I'm just trying to avoid it all. Like Exactly. I, That's what know, I'm doing. I don't like costumes. I don't like, I don't know. It, especially in this neighborhood, it's just difficult to figure out what's going on sometimes. <laughs> so Right. Yeah, it's just stay a, indoors. It's an awful fun holiday, but. I just I don't have a problem with taking a holiday off and then, you know, celebrating it hard the next year. Right. So I guess until Thanksgiving. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming over as always. I'm looking forward to uh, catching up with you next week. Thanks for uh, having me. Keep mentoring these kids. Um, Keep keep, making these business deals. Yeah, man. Hopefully I'll have um, a bunch of updates for y'all next week. I am. I'm not looking to move on anything asap i've i've really treasured like i got bored the other day and it was really amazing because i needed to let my mind get there in certain ways like in a controlled environment to be Mm -hmm. creative and to really figure out to meditate figure out what i want to do and so i think now i'm making great strides that are uh of my own volition yeah you know that's important uh i feel good about them and you know i'm harnessing yeah anyway Good for you, man. I can't more, wait to hear more updates. More to come on that. Thanks for all the support and listeners. A uh, couple housekeeping items. You can find us at weeklycatchuppodcast.com. We're on all of the major podcast platforms. We'll also put this episode on YouTube. That's right. Episode number five. I believe this is our longest episode. Number five, and it definitely is. There's like eight hours of us talking out on the internet. So now man. they can manipulate it and make us say anything. Yep. <laughs> all right, man. Well, appreciate you coming over. Thanks for having me. And thanks to all the listeners. Shout out to Gerald. Shout out to my dad. Gerald. Thanks for the tweets this week, Gerald. Yeah, man. I appreciate that. And my dad, you know, faithful listener and giving me feedback. And... Your dad is always first listen. Yeah, man. So I appreciate that, guys. My uh, my mom, she she Instagram DM me that she was listening to last week's episode, and I was just like, "Oh, Uh-oh. please don't!" And Mama I was like, Gibbons. "I was like, we had to use the bleep button late in the episode." And she hit me up after the episode, and she's like, 
I don't care about you swearing at all. What I care about is the fact that you said, screw baseball. Sorry, mom. Like she's like, you're selling me out. And then she also was mad because you were like basically saying at 70, you were like going to be looking to die. (laughs) Like just move (laughs) on to greener pastures. And I was like, Hey, like 67. And then I said that she was in the neighborhood of not even 60. And she was very upset with me over that. No, no, no. Yeah. But I I can say the F word as long as I'm not talking about her age. Mama Gibbons, we need you to live like to 200. Like I'm, I'm trying to go out before you. I don't want to be in a world without you. Oh, I know. Right. Like she's a sweetheart. I love her to death. Sometimes I just like to remind her, like, you know, you're going to bury me, right? (laughs) (laughs) She's not going to like that. She doesn't like that at all. But I mean, they are the specimen of health. My parents are health robots, dude, man. They look better than I do. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Like fewer bags under the eyes. So, All right. Shout out, Renz. Um, All right, man. Let's wrap it. Bye, everyone. Peace out.